You're listening to a Tiger Hall podcast. For more interviews with many of the world's most inspiring business leaders uploaded daily, download Tiger Hall from the App Store or Google Play. So the Japanese, for example, have something called tatemai. That's the face they put forward to you. They show you what the world is, what they want to show you, right? Honne is what they're really thinking. So very often you don't get into what they're really thinking because you never get past the tatemai. We're in the Tiger Hall with Chris Harrington, Senior Vice President at Bosch. So your career, Chris, has taken you all over the world. You've lived and worked in Canada, the US, Japan, China, and now Singapore. So I want to, for this podcast, focus on your experience in Japan, because you lived there for 13 and a half years, and specifically the cultural differences you found as a foreigner, and also how you found the high-power distance culture. So when you first went to Japan... Was there a moment where you started working and you thought, wow, okay, this is different to other places I've worked? Sure. I mean, uh, when you, if you've been to Japan, I mean, everything's different from everywhere else you've been, right? I always kind of joke and say it's the Galapagos Islands of, of the world, right? They've developed their own way of doing things. So, yeah, I mean, from day one uh, when I got there, um, for, just to give you a really simple example, I couldn't use chopsticks, right? So I'm sure everybody these days is is really you know, um, chic and, and uh, able to to handle Asian food. But in the early 90s, right, I hadn't done it before. So so I had to carry on a spoon, right? Because nobody had spoons, they only had chopsticks. So I either got really hungry, right, or I had to carry on my spoon in order to eat. That's a super, super high-level example of how different things can be. And I think at the beginning as a tourist, when you're in a country like Japan, right, you are just that. You're a tourist. So people are super polite, super helpful. It's a wonderful place to visit, right? That said, the way they work, the way they think, the way they speak is really different from the way that you and I would normally do so, right? And um, you are treated as a foreigner. That's wonderful when you're a foreigner. But when you're living there, trying to immerse yourself in the society, that same culture then can be really, really um, heavy, right? So, for example, group consensus, right? The Japanese do everything by group. So they say the nail that sticks up must be pounded down. And that's totally a no-brainer for Japanese that you as an individual, that's not the point. We together, we move forward, right? Which is a very powerful thing. But if you're that individual, right, doesn't feel so good all the time, right? So dealing with that on a daily basis and not understanding what's behind it can be really frustrating because things come at you sideways and you just don't understand why that happened. Did you develop any ways to deal with that? I learned the language. I think learning the language and, and asking questions, being empathetic to why they do things, being curious, right? That's super important, right? Because there's, there's no right and wrong, right? There's just the way that we are and they happen to be different from the way I grew up. And then if the more you try and understand that, the more it makes sense. The more you try to understand it, the more appreciative they are of you trying, right? So you can get into whole conversations. So not all my guys, for example, at work know that, but actually I taught English in Japan to put myself through university for seven and a half years. So people would tell me things in, in English that they felt so comfortable with telling that they would never tell anybody in Japanese because they just felt a safety because it was kind of outside of themselves, right? So I think language, right, and and having that outlet for it can really, really be a super helpful thing. So even if it's just a simple hello, it goes a long way, right? And I think, you know, yes, everyone can order beer everywhere they go, wonderful. But to have a few words, right, um, people will open up and they'll start to share. And once they start to share, you get common understanding, right? Mm, okay, can we talk a bit more about the, the cultural nuances in Japan? Mm-hmm. 
Um, so there are certain stereotypes about about the working styles, and I know it's very hierarchical. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about <laughs> the stereotypes and whether they're true, and, and how you found that as an outsider? Yeah, sure. I mean, uh, the Japanese are known to be very hardworking folks, right? And that's very true, right? So, um, you know, typically it's changing now for younger people, but um, yeah, traditionally no one left the office until the boss left the office. So everyone would sit there and watch to see. I mean, if they had no work, it didn't matter. They would continue working. And once the boss went, people could then go. But people were working very, very late, right? Very often. And, and they have a word, karoshi, which, you know, means death from overwork. And it's a word because it happens, right? So, so the, the level of accountability and commitment in people is, is fantastic, right? Um, on the one side, but also can be really dangerous, as you see, to you as an individual on the other side. So it produces fantastic things, but it does it come at a cost, right? So, yeah, there are big differences. I think accountability, for example, um, uh, attention to detail, right? Uh, perfection, right? I'd say non-traditional thought, right? From the way that potentially you and I may think that ends up uh, yeah, with some pretty creative uh, yeah, outcomes. Yeah. So you being from North America yeah. and having sort of the personality that comes along with someone from North America. What were the most challenging elements of that? Um, I struggled. I mean, also from a language perspective at the beginning, I didn't understand how there can be a wrong way to say something, right? The freedom that you're afforded in English or, for example, Chinese, right? You have a huge variety, a palette of things that that you can paint with your language. There, there's a right way to say things, right? And it's quite formalized, right? So it's a mystery to most folks in terms of a language. But once you understand the structure... You know, someone can begin a sentence and then you know how it's going to finish in advance, right? So it's highly predictable, right? But only if you know the secret handshake, right? Um, so, I, you know, just as an example, um, I was young in my career. I was consulting with a, with a company in North America. They were having negotiations with the Japanese company and they just didn't understand what to do with them, right? And I said, well, the first thing you need to do is serve them warm food, right? And they're like, what? You know, you're a consultant. What are you talking about? I said, just give them warm food and tomorrow everyone wears suits. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, Trust me. So sure enough, negotiations got much easier because if you fly, you know, 24 hours across the world, you've got jet lag and you're used to Asians love warm food, right? Uh, Having a cold sandwich versus something warm makes all the difference, right? So having those kind of simple advice, uh, it makes a a massive, massive difference. And I still remember as as the project went on, uh, I told the management team, and I was a very young person at that time, but the management team, I said, listen, tomorrow the entire XYZ company staff is going to walk in, they're going to say this, and then they're going to do this. And they said, how do you know that? I, said, I just know. They came in, we were in the big boardroom, they walked in, they did exactly what I said, <laughs> exactly. And the whole management team from North America looked at me, and then the Japanese said, who is that guy? <laughs> so I think that predictability is there, but you need to make a huge effort, right? So it, I, I think there's advantages and disadvantages. And of course, the group consensus and abidement to the or abiding of the rules has the benefits of, of uh, making them predictable if you know uh, what their values are and the way they do things. Yeah. So if someone comes to you, Chris, and says, look, I'm leading a regional team, I'm being sent to Japan, and I'm going to be based there for the first time. Mm. I don't know the country very well. Mm. What are the first things you would advise that person for, mm. for fitting in and making a good first impression and, and being a good leader in this new environment? Well, so in my experience, you have two different kinds of, of Asian leaders or Japanese leaders in that case. You have, uh, I always used to say, furo meshi boys, right? So furo is, is bath and meshi means food. So they just order people, this is what you need to do. Do this, do this, right? And they yell at people, throw things and, and uh, overbearing, let's say. The other kind is the fatherly type where you demand people's respect simply by the way that you behave and treat people. Yeah? Um, you don't have a chance at being the 
commanding type because they're going to distance themselves. So I think you need to uh, appeal to people. And, and in Japan, I mean, I don't know if people know this, but usually when you join a company, they put you around in different functions for the first couple of years. So you understand how the business works so that someday if you get promoted, you understand not just what you think as a boss or a single line, you understand the business, right? So I think going around, talking to people, being interested, asking them what they're doing, you just need to listen and learn at the beginning. Um, that will get you tremendous respect because in Japan, um, actually the top management, we can think what we want. Um, they're not the ones that decide things. It's the mid-level management and the staff, right? They're the ones that finally push things through, right? And, and they have something called ne mawashi, which actually means root, ne, and mawashi means to rotate or move, to go around. And uh, in that particular case, what they do is you have a plan, let's say, for restructuring or a new strategy, right? They'll actually spend a tremendous amount of time with the mid-level management and staff before they bring it to management. Once it goes through everybody, it, it goes through super fast. But before the approval process, it has to be – everybody has to look at it from 360 degrees from every angle to make sure it works. And that's why the solutions they put together work so well because they take time to look at it from every angle. Right? Mm-hmm. So I would say as a new leader, go in, listen. Um, understand people, and they will repay that tenfold because they recognize that you're making the effort to understand them. If this new leader were to get there and be in their first few weeks in the job and they sort of feel like, I don't feel like I'm quite gelling with my new Japanese team, what might they be doing wrong? Yeah, I think that, again, goes back to the distance, right? You have too much distance, right? So what you should do is find out a couple people. There's always a couple guys, a couple of, of staff. Guys where I come from means men and women. Um, so a couple staff, you just go and say, let's get, let's grab a drink. Let's go out for, for, to an izakaya, to a, to a pub, right? And have a chat. And a lot of stuff will come out there that they may not feel comfortable bringing to you. So they'll tell you what there's, they're really thinking, right? So, so Japanese, for example, have something called tatemai. That's the face they put forward to you. They show you what the world is, what they want to show you, right? Hone is what they're really thinking. So very often you don't get into what they're really thinking because you never get past the tatemai. Mm. Do you have any stories? You must have lots of stories of cultural gaffes that you made when you got it so wrong. Yeah, I have many, many gaffes, as you can imagine. <laughs> I, I, some of them are very basic and I think probably across the, the whole thing. So I'm sure there's times when I've stuck my chopsticks into rice and stuff like that. So if you're listening out there and you live in Asia, not something you should do. Never put your chopsticks and leave them in there because that's what they do when you die and you leave this as an offering for somebody. So that's a bad idea. Same thing with, for example, passing food chopstick to chopstick, right? At least in Japan, they do cremation and then the bones that are left over, that's how they pass in the ceremony. So also not okay, right? So those basic things for sure. Um, but there's lots of other funny ones. I mean, I remember as the token American uh, in the room, we had a Halloween party and uh, we had a pumpkin, right? And of course, everyone knows that you have jack-o'-lanterns and these things. So you know, it's my job, obviously. So I took the markers and I start, you know, doing the face and I start to cut the top and the whole room, literally, literally the whole room freaked out. They're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Stop. And I said, what are you talking about? This, I'm, this is how you do it. I'm doing the, you know, no, well, stop it. Stop it. And they were really bothered by it. And I said, what are you guys doing? I mean, this is what you do. And, and I said, you cut out the top and you scoop out the guts and, and then you, you do this. And they said, I said, how would you do it? And they all said, I would cut from the bottom. I cut the hole in the bottom and I would lift the pumpkin. And I was like, what? And they all thought that way. And I thought that, what do you, it's, it was so crazy. And the point was, they felt somehow that that was kind of sacrilegious, that you're cutting open someone's head. They felt it's kind of disrespectful going on the top and that it'd be much better to cut from the bottom. Right? The scary thing was they all thought that way. And of course I said, guys, ventilation is never going to work. The point was, I never had that thought in my entire life. Right? So 
when you have epiphanies like that, right, you just, I think, learn to appreciate that there is no right or wrong. There just is, right? And having diversity of thought allows you to have a much more um, holistic solution, right? And, and just makes, makes you hopefully a better person over time. As if you can take the best out of everything, um, then I, I think that's a fantastic life, yeah. Okay. Can you give us just some, some final pieces of advice, how to be a really great culturally aware leader in Japan as an outsider? Yeah, I think that, that first of all, um, you need to understand that yeah, you are the guest there. Yeah. And I think that's, that's super important. And you have to understand that the diversity, um, has value, right? So, uh, and you need to value that diversity. And I would say ask a lot of questions, right? To understand why they're thinking the way they're thinking, right? Um, because unless you're addressing, right, those type of thoughts, right? You, you'll never get past their own thinking, right? There'll be a blocking thing where they'll feel you're going one way talking. What people tell you um, is only the surface topic, right? Then you start asking, it's like an iceberg, right? What's below and what's driving that are the values, right? And what people are really, like I just said, the tatemai and the hone, right? The, the face they show you and what they're thinking inside. If you can get people to tell you what's inside, and then you can address that. Like, I think that, taking my case, yeah, you're very American, right? You talk really, really fast, right? Um, if you slow down, right, I understand you. And then you realize, shit, you know, I'm going so fast, right, that they're struggling to keep up. They probably want to understand me, but, you know, they just can't feel comfortable. If they're not comfortable, they're not going to be open. If they're not open, they can't do what we want to do. So, you know, if I find out, you know, well, so what makes you think I'm so American? Right? Well, listen, you talk so fast and animated. So, okay. So if I, if I talk like this, then we can have a more meaningful discussion. Yeah. And, and I think that's the point, right? Asking the questions, um, getting it all on the table, right? And as I said, it, it's, there's surface level things, right? If we can get past that, there's differences. Everybody has differences, but at the end of the day, we're all people. So understanding them as a person, um, I think is super important. Mm, okay. Just to end, I think you were going to sign off in Japanese, were you? <laughs> uh, I didn't prepare anything uh, formally, but, uh, minasama, kyo o hanashi o kiite itadaite. Arigato gozaimashita. Kore kara mo yoroshiku onegai taishimasu. Dozu yoroshiku onegai taishimasu. 